you know, for me, what was going to fund my college education wasn't really a sexy, glamorous idea that amounted to something that I thought, you know, this is going to be amazing. This was me just, instead of finding a job, funding my own college education through a business. And it is something that's taken off because as you get building something, once you start doing, you can open your eyes to possibilities that others might not see. And I saw that the junk removal business was so fragmented, so mom and pop that I said, you know, there's an opportunity here to franchise and create something bigger. And as we've franchised 1-800-GOT-JUNK and we're over 300 million in, in revenue with that brand, we saw opportunities to create other brands like Wow One Day Painting, where we come paint someone's home in a day. And we've got all these franchise opportunities that have come out of us just starting something. You learn, you fail, you learn some more, and that's the formula. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an incredible guest lined up for you today. He's one of my personal entrepreneurial heroes. He is the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, one of the most iconic companies to come out of the great nation of Canada in the last 30 years. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Brian Scudamore. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hey, Nikki, you're too kind. I, I got to say that was quite the intro. And you know what? I love your energy. I don't need to drink any more coffee today. I'm pumped up just like you are. So thanks for having me. Oh, it's, it's, it's my pleasure, my friend. The, believe me, the honor is mine. You know, I have been seeing your ubiquitous trucks all over my city, Toronto, <laughs> for what seems like forever. And uh, you've been heralded in Canadian media, international media for the successes you've had. And you've recently put together a, a book called WTF Willing to Fail, which I devoured in a single sitting. That's how good it was. <laughs> and uh, awesome. I, I, I got to say, I, I'm thrilled to have you here. Some of, some of our listeners know who you are, but some of them may never have heard of you. And the reason they listen to the show is they want to learn from you. They want to know what are your secrets? What are your hacks, if you will, in the modern parlance to becoming a successful entrepreneur? Tell us your backstory. How'd you become the great Brian Scudamore? Awesome. Well, I was in uh, Vancouver. I was in a McDonald's drive through of all places where the idea just about hit me. I saw this beat up old pickup truck with plywood side panels built up on the box. It said Mark's hauling on the side. This truck was filled with junk. And I looked at the truck and I went, ah, that's my ticket. I needed a way to pay for college. I had $1,000 in the bank. I took $700 and bought myself a beat up old pickup truck of my own. And I formed a company called the Rubbish Boys. Took the remaining $300, bought some flyers and business cards, started driving down alleys, laneways. Whenever I saw a pile of junk, I'd knock on the door and introduce myself and haul away their junk for a fee. And that basic business model was my ticket to get into college. And uh, what's, what's kind of ironic is, you know, I dropped out of high school, talked my way into college. I ended up learning so much more about business by running a business versus studying from a textbook 
that I ended up making the bold decision to drop out of university. So three years in, I left school. I sat down with my father, who's a liver transplant surgeon, who's done more schooling than just about anybody I know. <laughs> and I said to him, Dad, I got some awesome news for you. He sat down and I told him I was quitting school because I was learning more about business by doing it. And he said, I fail to see how that's good news. And uh, took us about 10 years to resolve that disagreement. But uh, we're certainly uh, good friends today. And he's been a big supporter in, in our growth and our success. That's amazing, man. That's absolutely amazing. You know, my, my parents, both are very well-educated folks as well. And uh, they, they definitely had me go to university and go to a master's degree and all that good stuff. But there, there's been a ton of iconic entrepreneurs who never ended up finishing university. I, I mean, I can think of a couple, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and Brian Scudamore. And there's a lot to be said for the school of hard knocks, if you will. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how, how that's really helped shape your thinking. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a big fan of learning. School doesn't often work for entrepreneurs because you've got to get out there and do. Now, if you want to be a liver transplant surgeon like my father, clearly you got to go to school. No one wants their liver replaced by someone who, you know, learned it on the internet. But <laughs> it's one of those things where being an entrepreneur the best way we have to learn is by just getting out there and starting a business. You know, people that don't have a business, they spend a lot of time often looking for the right idea. They want to catch lightning in the bottle and they need it to be all about the idea. But it doesn't need to be about the idea. You just need to start something. You know, for me, what was going to fund my college education wasn't really a sexy, glamorous idea that amounted to something that I thought, you know, this is going to be amazing. This was me just instead of finding a job, funding my own college education through a business. And it is something that's taken off because as you get building something, once you start doing, you can open your eyes to possibilities that others might not see. And I saw that the junk removal business was so fragmented, so mom and pop that I said, you know, there's an opportunity here to franchise and create something bigger. And as we've franchised 1-800-GOT-JUNK and we're over $300 million in, in revenue with that brand, we saw opportunities to create other brands like Wow One Day Painting, where we come paint someone's home in a day. And we've got all these franchise opportunities that have come out of us just starting something. You learn, you fail, you learn some more, and that's the formula. It's a brilliant formula, and I, I want to unpack it a little bit, if we may. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I got from your book, right, in terms of you starting um, a bunch of different franchises is that your thought leadership, your, your expertise, what you become known for is you're somebody who really knows how to spot opportunities in business, and they all seem to be around these so-called unglamorous professions like hauling away junk and painting. Let's face it, a lot of folks, the idea of hauling away junk doesn't exactly make them think, wow, great, phenomenal career for me, right? And, and, and the of same course. with painting. But you've managed to infuse these brands with an element of sexiness, if you will, right? And, and people have been attracted to it, you know? Uh, and, and you've put all these incredible notes in your book, right? So note number one in your book was when you follow a fork and you don't like the scenery, double back and take the other fork. That's pretty brilliant stuff. Well, can, can you comment on that and elaborate on it a bit? Yeah, well, when you're, when you're at a fork and you, you don't like how things are working out in your life or your business, double back and try the other fork. You know, it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to have made the wrong choice. 
And life is about choice. And we're going to try some things that work and we're going to try some other things that don't work. Don't be afraid to retreat and go a different direction. You know, my, one of my forks was going to university. You know what? I'm too ADD to sit in the classroom. I wasn't really learning. I wasn't into it. I was wasting my money on tuition. Why not get out there and create my own tuition, my own learning from others? I love that. I love that. Now, note number two in your book was at the moment of commitment, the universe conspires to assist you, right? And there's another quote I added to that. I hope you don't mind. It, it, sure. It, 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 comes from, it comes from Goethe, the great German philosopher. And he says, whatever you can do or dream you can do, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. Can you elaborate on this a little bit, Brian? Because I think your entire career has been based on this uh, maxim. Yeah, you know, I, I think that human beings, we have a hard time committing. We're worried we're going to make the wrong decision. We're worried about what people will think. But when you embrace, again, the title of the book, WTF, when you embrace a WTF willing to fail philosophy, you've got nothing to lose. Dive in, make a mistake. If it doesn't work, retreat back and take the other fork. You know, we have the ability as human beings to make choices and try things differently if they don't work out. But I think people get paralyzed by fear because their fear, fear of failure, fear of what others might think, just commit and do something. You know, one of the things I talk about in my book as well is um, passion follows commitment. It's not the other way around. You don't become passionate about something and then go, you know, I'm going to commit. I really love this. I'm going to commit. No, you commit first and then it gets hard. You know, I've got a daughter who's a, a ski racer and it's been hard, but she's committed. And that commitment is creating great passion for her in that sport. I love that. Um, I've got two sons. They're, they're, uh, I think they're probably younger than your daughter. They're, um, they're, 10 and 12, about to turn uh, 11 and 13. And uh, the, the younger one uh, plays goalie in both soccer and hockey at a pretty high level. And he loves it. Mm -hmm. God bless him. <laughs> it wouldn't be right. for me to be goalie, but that's his thing. And he goes out there, he practices. I take shots on him in soccer because I actually know a thing or two about soccer, but my hockey playing isn't so good. But he, he goes out with his buddies and he's, he's on the ice. He's taking shots. You know, he's a dry land. He's taking shots. I mean, it's a beautiful thing to watch that. And, and, and I, I don't know about you, but for me, my kids playing sports and showing their commitment just actually it inspires me to commit harder because children have an ability to commit that I think uh, uh, us adults lose at some level. Yeah, I was telling my, you know, I've got three kids and my ski racer daughter, I said to her, I said, you know, you inspire me. The, the work ethic and the, the trying new things and not being afraid to fail you inspire me. And she was surprised. She's like, really? I inspire you? And uh, you're right. I, I share the same philosophy you do, that kids are just brilliant. And, and the way they see the world and the, the things they do are absolutely inspirational. I love it. I love it. So I, I want to I pick up on this theme of failure. In your book, you say people don't fail, systems do. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I love that. I think that's a very brilliant and profound insight. Yeah, so I learned that. That's a, a quote from a, a friend and author, Michael Gerber, who wrote the my favorite business book ever written called The E-Myth Revisited. Now, Michael is uh, 82 years he's old. He's seen a lot of great businesses. And, and, you know, his big takeaway from the book, I think, on this, people don't fail, systems do. If you don't have the right systems and processes in place, 
figure out how to put those in place, have the checklist. It's not the people making mistakes. It's that there isn't a system to ensure success. So think about simple systems and checklists. Think about a, an airline pilot. Can you imagine if we just trusted pilots to do the right thing every single time and how they start up their, their flight and prepare? They need that laminated checklist to go through and just go, yep, I have not missed a thing. I've double checked it. I have not missed a thing. Everyone's going to be good here. You know, uh, it's, it's not the people failing. You need a system because if you trust too much in, in good people, people still make mistakes. And when you as a company, as a leader, figure out a best practice, put it in writing, train people on it, and make sure that people follow the system and do it the best way until someone in your company who's brilliant enough finds a better way uh, to, to, to improve that best practice. I love that. That's awesome. You know, there, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of wisdom in that insight. I run a program. One, one of the things I do is I help people who are getting into business, maybe even for the first time, or people who've been in business just for a short period of time for the first time. Most of them are solopreneurs. They're service-based entrepreneurs. And they love what they do, but they're not good at the business end of things. And they struggle, Brian. You know what I mean? They, they try to get out there and... Um, they get onto a business plateau. They might be making 40, 50, 60, 70K a year, but they can't get past that. And when we put our community and our, and our program uh, and our mastermind together, I came up with a maxim that, that I call the fastest way to becoming a millionaire, right? And, and for a lot of these business people, becoming a millionaire is the gold standard, right? They want to get mm -hmm. to that space is you need, you need a great peer group and you need a system. Right. And what are your comments on that? How do you think that applies to people getting into the business for, uh, for themselves for the first time? Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, one of the comments I might make, which is slightly different than uh, maybe the question you asked me, I apologize. But, you know, I'm just thinking of this term becoming a millionaire. You know, the, the fastest way I like your quote, the fastest way in my mind to becoming a millionaire, I would layer on to that is understanding why a million. Why, why is it important to you, to anyone to be a millionaire? What do you want that million to do for you, for others, whatever the case might be. And I think people often choose being a millionaire for the wrong reasons. And choosing money can be a very shallow, lonely goal. Choosing the why behind it helps add great meaning and depth to that goal. So I'm a big believer in making meaning, not money. I'm not a money-motivated guy. Now, I, I like that money can provide growth of the business. It can provide opportunity. It can provide, um, you know, freedom. There's all sorts of things. But I found that my focus on understanding why things drive me is much more important in starting a business and building a life than trying to understand the, the or having the goal of the dollars behind it. You know what? That's very true. That's very brilliant. Uh, I brought I brought that up in in the context of this question because I wanted to just get your comments on that specific aspect of building the business. But mm -hmm. we actually, our entire philosophy is based on heart based entrepreneurship. We don't mm -hmm. even want anyone in our program unless their primary motivation is making a difference. Steve Jobs used to call it making your dent in the universe, mm -hmm. and. Unless someone's there to make a dent in the universe and make the difference they were born to make, we don't even want to talk to them, right? Because the kind of place we want to build is a place full of heart-based entrepreneurs, and thankfully, that's what we have. Love it. 
Yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. There's another great quote from your book, and that's about the concept of the four H when it comes to building a great team. Can you talk about the four H? Because I really love that. Yeah. So for us, we came up with a simple guide when we're looking for a franchise owner, a franchise partner to come into any one of our brands. It could be Shack Shine, Wow One Day Painting. It doesn't matter. We're looking for the same thing. Four H's. It stands for happy, hungry hardworking and hands-on. So we're looking for people first and foremost to be happy people. We want optimists. We want people that when the going gets tough, they're still smiling. We want people that are hungry, that want the growth. We're not looking for investors. We're looking for people that go, yeah, like I, I need this. I, this has to work and I want to make it work. We're looking for hardworking, of course. I mean, work ethics, an incredibly important ingredient. And then hands-on. We're not looking for investors. We're looking for franchise partners that come in and go, hey, I'm going to work in that painting van to understand the business for the first few months so that I get it, so that I can lead other people as I build and grow a painting empire. So 4-H's, it, it's simple and it, it works for us and has not let us down. I love it. Uh, I, I'm going to borrow that if you don't mind and, and, and elaborate Please. on that inside <laughs> my world because I just think it's so powerful. And we, you know, we're not looking for franchise, uh, franchisees in our, in our world, but we are looking for entrepreneurs who have all those characteristics. We want people who are happy, who are optimistic. I mean, no, no negative nannies need apply type of thing. Sure. We want them to be hungry and that this is it. They Got to make this work, right? And that's going to motivate them to be hardworking and they're ready to get uh, roll up their sleeves, get in the trenches and get their hands dirty. That, uh, the heart of the founder was how you put it, right? Yeah, you need to have that heart of the founder. And, and we even look for that in people that aren't necessarily creating their own business with us. They might be someone who's a, a VP or a leader within one of the brands. We still want them to have the heart of a founder, someone who just sits there and goes, you know what, if this was my business... What would I do? What decisions would I make to push this company forward? Yeah, I love it. I think that's fantastic. One of the other notes in your book that I really liked, right, was uh, note number six, which was never email your story pitch. You've got to pick up the phone and call. Now, this was in regard to pitching the story of your company to media, right? But I think it applies mm -hmm. to so much more than that. Can you just elaborate on that for a bit, Brian? Yeah, well, I mean, the beauty of technology, you can get a message out there so quickly but you can't feel the energy from an email and a text of the messenger. So one of the things that I think is important about picking up the phone is you just, it, if you're doing an email, it's absent of tone. When you pick up the phone and you say, I've got an awesome story idea for you, that one line alone might capture someone's attention and have them go, wow, this is amazing. I'm, I'm, this, this guy has so much energy. What a great story. I want to hear this. In email, if you write, the, that same phrase of I've got a great story for you, it doesn't do your story or your, your personality justice. And I think people connect with people. And how do you, how do you best do that? Well, face-to-face -face is the best. If you can't do that, at least voice-to-voice. -voice. And uh, last resort in my mind would be just text-to-text. Uh, -text. Absolutely. 100%. I love it. You know, this, this is a good segue to one of my favorite stories from your book, and that's the curly blue wig story. Would you tell our audience your, the curly blue wig story? Because I think that's just marvelous and awesome. 
Yeah, we had some franchise partners who were giving us some grief and saying, you know, guys, as we're building 1-800-GOT-JUNK in these early days, you know, we, we really need to start doing more professional, traditional advertising, TV, radio in a big way. And, and I said, you know, we don't have the budgets. We're a small business. Guerrilla marketing is the way to go. And our franchise partners disagreed and felt we needed to spend money and invest on bringing real hired gun uh, professionals in to help us market the business and grow it. And I said, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go have a brainstorm together. We're going to go figure this out and come up with some really great ways we can market the business in a guerrilla marketing type way. And what we're going to do is we're going to lead by example and we're going to guerrilla market. I said, where's the toughest city to stand out in? And my franchise partners, there are about six or seven of them, they said, New York City, Times Square, Las Vegas. And I said, Vegas, let's go to Vegas and prove that we can stand out. So we go to Vegas. There must have been 10 of us with some head office people. We hop on the planes. We had these bowling shirts printed up with big 1-800-GOT-JUNK logos on the back. So we had these blue shirts, these matching blue wigs, and we were armed with some 1-800-GOT-JUNK tattoos. First stop, we end up going to uh, the Hard Rock Cafe or the Hard Rock Hotel, rather. And we went to the bar and people started coming up to us. They're like, well, what are you guys? Are you on a bachelor party? Are you a band? Like, who are you guys? And we're smiling. We're having fun. They could feed off our energy. And we started giving out tattoos. And before you know it, you know, there's all these people that are wearing 1-800-GOT-JUNK tattoos. They're in our Armani suits and they're all fancy digs. They weren't getting the attention. We were because people looked at us and said, man, these guys are rock stars. And people, it attracted like magnets, people to us. And everybody started talking about 1-800-GOT-JUNK and we stood out in a noisy, busy, energetic city. And I said to my franchise partners the next day, do you see what happened? Do you see what we were able to accomplish with a $29 spend each, you know, 26 on a shirt, three on blue, on a blue wig. Look at how we stood out and our franchise partners were sold and we started shifting our uh, energy, positive energy towards, yes, we can guerrilla market this business. And we never really did TV advertising. We're now into radio, but as a, as a $400 million group of companies, 300 plus million for 1-800-GOT-JUNK, we can afford radio now and it's something that works for us. But you've got to make use of the resources that you've got available to you at the time. If you don't have the money to spend on major advertising, probably be foolish to do so. You know, I really like this. I mean, my company's a pretty small company, but I've been thinking once I read this story in your book that, you know what? Orange is one of our colors. I want to get myself some curly orange wigs, right? <laughs> and get 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 our or logo, which is like a swirly orange E on a shirt. It's, uh, it's myself and my better half. We work together, and then we got a few contractors that we work with. We're going to put that on and get on social media and create these personas. I think that'd be fun. And and what you did was you you actually tapped in to a part of the human spirit and the human soul, which is that people want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. They want to be part of something that's different, part of something that stands out. And you were able to tap into that with this brilliant bit of guerrilla marketing. And, and I think this spirit has imbued all of your efforts in all of your companies. And that's a big reason why you've grown so much. Yeah, no, thanks, Nikki. It's, it's true. I mean, you know, we, we take our business seriously, but not ourselves. 
And so, you know, not being afraid to put on a blue wig and, you know, get out there is, is something important in our culture. Uh, we, we had fun with the blue wigs after the Vegas story. We ended up, you know, using this as a marketing tool and the Vancouver Canucks, our hockey team, were in the, the playoffs, which doesn't happen very often. We rallied behind them and we said, you know what, we're going to go buy a ton of blue wigs. We, we bought something like 3000 blue wigs and we went down to GM Place, the arena. We parked out front and we started giving blue wigs to everybody going in the stadium. And you can imagine the stadium is filled with people who are wearing blue wigs. And every single game, people are like, where can I get a blue wig? And people were bringing their blue wigs back. And we did this several times. And we were we had 60 media hits, 6-0 from this stunt. And it was amazing. We were on all the TV stations. At one point, there were three of us giving out blue wigs. Each one of us was at the top of the hour, six o'clock news on a different station. And my, uh, my wife calls me up and she goes, what is going on? I said, what do you mean? She goes, you're on this station and this station and this station. She was flicking between channels. She's like, you guys are everywhere. This is ridiculous. And we even <laughs> ended up on the front page of the local newspaper uh, with 1-800-GOT-JUNK's phone number and the blue wigs and the whole bit. So a lot of fun that you can have for not a lot of money and the effectiveness of growing your brand or your business. Uh, it's amazing what you can do. Yeah, I mean, here, here's note 10 from your book on page 89. One person wearing a bowling shirt and a curly blue wig is a nut. Ten people in bowling shirts and curly blue wigs are magic. That's brilliant. I love that. Absolute magic, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Now, one of my favorite uh, teachers is John Maxwell, who wrote the book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. He sold 32 million books. He's, he's absolutely incredible. He's a former pastor. And mm -hmm. I, I, I got to see him speak at the Titan Summit. That's a high-level mastermind Robin Sharma does. You know what? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm actually going to connect with Robin's team and, and ask him if – I don't know if you go and you do speaking engagements, but I'm going to ask him to ask you if you, you'd come speak at a future Titan Summit because they have business people from all around the world. Yeah, I'd love to. I, I've known Robin for years, and he and I have – and he and I have not connected in some time. So uh, he came out to speak at one of our sales kickoffs. That would be great to be able to, oh, to go to one of his. You know what? You, you, ought to, you ought to connect with Angela, his assistant, and, and, and be at the Titan Summit next year because I think you'd add a ton of value, right? But he had John awesome. Maxwell at this one. And John Amazing. Maxwell was talking about something that's in your book. And he was talking about the importance of encouragement. And he said that he was uh, just getting started off in his career when he was in his early 20s, and now he's uh, over 70. And his father, who'd been a pastor, was sitting down with him uh, and giving him some advice because I think it, he had his his first congregation, he was getting it going. And um, uh, he said, Dad, do you have any advice for me? You know, any last words of wisdom before I get going? He says, yes, son. You need to give people encouragement. He said, mm -hmm. oh, okay, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And then he, he sat there and he thought about it for a bit. He says, Dad, how will I know when people need encouragement? And um, his dad just looked at him very solemnly, you know, and he rubbed his chin and furrowed his brow, and then finally he just he looked at his son in the eye and he said, John, you'll know people need encouragement if they're breathing, mm. you know? And if, if they're not breathing, they probably don't need encouragement anymore. But if they're breathing, <laughs> they need encouragement. And I, I sat there and I was going, man, that, that story has been rattling around in my brain since early December, right? And you and I are talking in early January right now. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and wow, what a great story. I know, it's incredible, right? And 
And I thought, yeah, I've got to be an encourager. Every day, I got to find at least one or two or three people that I'm interacting with, and I got to give them unsolicited, spontaneous encouragement. And then I read this in your book, and what you said, here's the quote, right? Encouragement is the most powerful magic of all. I really would like to hear your take on this and your expansion on this point. Yeah, well, if you think of us again as human beings, right, however, seven or eight billion of us on this planet, one thing that humans need is they need love. They need encouragement. They need to be feel like they're giving value. They need to be recognized. So why not encourage? I mean, I, I've never heard that story that you told before, but you, you're right. Everyone who's breathing needs encouragement. And we can give that magic to people as leaders each and every day. We can make someone's day brighter by just giving them a friendly push, by t- giving them some kind kind words. When you give someone courage, you're encouraging them. You're allowing them to have a level of confidence that will make life easier and better for them. And every one of us need it, you know, uh, throughout the day. So why not share the love? No, it's it, it's absolutely, absolutely true and absolutely necessary for every human being on the planet. And the more love you share, the more love you create, right? And, and yeah, you, you get what you get, what you give, you know, one of the things that I found that's worked for me in business is the more I say yes to people who reach out and ask for help, the more I end up getting in return while that's not even the intention of helping. And so, you know, talk about magic. There's another type of magic. And I, I learned this from Vern Harnish who runs gazelles. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Vern's amazing. He's been a huge mentor of mine, but he says, you get what you give. And so just learn to give and you will get so much more back in return. Uh, and it's, it's unbelievable how that works. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's absolutely phenomenal. Listen, I hesitate to ask you to, to talk about this because I'm sure that this, this, this isn't the most fun topic to topic, uh, talk about. But I think it, the way you wrote about it in your book was powerful and I think it could be valuable for one of our listeners. I've had people call us and tell us that something they heard from our um, guest sharing authentically about a real pain in their life really, really helped them step back from the abyss. So I hope you don't mind the no, story of your friend please. Tyler Wright. Mm-hmm. And what happened to him and how you dealt with that? I mean, it's in chapter 12, Unthinkable. Would you mind telling that story? No, not at all. You know, I, I love Tyler. Tyler is the guy who was responsible for getting us on the Oprah Winfrey show. And to give you a little background on Tyler, Tyler came into us, our first PR hire. I relinquished control and gave it to him and just said, you know what? You're now our PR guy. I'm not doing the pitching myself. I'm going to teach you how to do it. You've got zero experience. And Cameron Harold, our COO, and I both taught Tyler and off he went. And he knew one of our goals was to get on the Oprah Winfrey show. We had this big, can you imagine wall? And it said, can you imagine being featured on the Oprah Winfrey show? And Tyler would go sit beneath that wall and look at the quote and manifest and see himself making it happen. And one day we get this scream from Tyler. He's in the office, open office environment, stands up and he's wearing a blue wig as he always did when he pitched. And he goes, (laughs) I did it. We got it. And everyone's like, what's going on? And the next words out of his mouth were, we got Oprah. And next day, we were down filming in Los Angeles. A couple of days later, I'm on the Harpo stage at the Oprah Winfrey show, and it was unbelievable press. But what happened, the unthinkable, the title of the chapter is, Tyler was setting out to do a big hike, and he went out by himself. He was an avid hiker, 
and he was not as well prepared in terms of safety gear and beacons and things that he would have needed. And a couple of weeks passed and nobody had heard from him. And what ended up happening is he he's he went missing. Nobody's ever heard from him. This was years ago. And we started a search and rescue effort. A bunch of people from the business who really cared about Tyler got involved. We got entrepreneurs to donate helicopters of theirs to help fly over the area and search. It became the largest search and rescue in history of, uh, of British Columbia, in fact, of Canada. And why this search and effort rescue was so big is we said, how would Tyler, as a PR guy who was so good at getting press, how would Tyler find Tyler? And so a bunch of people all related as friends and family got out there and really used the press to tell Tyler's story and how he was missing. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very sad story uh, that he never turned up. But the beauty that Tyler gave to uh, our business and inspiring so many other people, uh, we feel great grateful for the the time we had with him. Yeah, yeah, it is a sad story, but it, it it's also a powerful and poignant one. And it, how you deal with adversity is one of the things that as an entrepreneur you you need to come face to face with. There's no question about it. So, Brian, another thing that you talked about in your book was the importance of accomplishing the miraculous. And and the quote I have from your book is, to accomplish the miraculous, you need to attempt the ridiculous. And I know there's a great story around that there. Can you expand on that for us? Yeah, I mean, you have to sometimes do ridiculous things. You have to take your business seriously and the work you do, but not yourself. And, um, it's funny. I know I wrote the book, but I'm actually thinking, what was the story? What was the ridiculous uh, example? Do you, can you refresh my mind? Well, I think it was around both the curly blue wig and it was around how Tyler got you guys on the Oprah Winfrey show as well. Mm, right. Yeah. You know, I think the, the ridiculous is just the amount of belief that you have to put into something and the the follow-up. If you really can see something coming true, just keep on trying, keep on trying. You know, Tyler would, as I said, pitch with a blue wig on because he needed to get that energy. You know, he would call, we, we talked about the, the energy of calling up the, the press and saying, I got an awesome story idea for you. When Tyler put on a blue wig, you could feel a difference in his energy, a level of smiling, a level of fun, a level of humor, and this this passion for what he was doing. And it was ridiculous putting on a blue wig. It was ridiculous to do that when you pitched, but you know what, the miraculous results that came from it, getting on the Oprah Winfrey show, that $3 blue wig had something to do with the magic. It really, really, truly did. You can get a wig like that for just $3? That's amazing. <laughs> I'm like thinking they're going to cost like 50 bucks. No, nope, just a little bit of a uh, little bit of nylon. I love it. I love it. Well, another aspect of attempting the ridiculous was when you hired that ad writer from Austin. The, the, mm-hmm. the wizard of ads, you called him, right? Right. Tell That's us what he that calls story. himself. Oh, is that what he called himself? Okay, <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah, so Roy Williams, he's my co-author on the book, and he's a great friend. And Roy Williams calls himself the wizard of ads. I mean, he's just a creative genius. And I think his attraction to me and, and vice versa 
was this common belief of magic. Now, does magic really exist? No, but the 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 word magic, the 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 characters that I most admire in movies, people like Willy Wonka, Harry Potter. I mean, th- there's this energy and this fun around magic that uh, that excites me. And and Roy Williams really was attracted to wanting to help us because uh, you know there was some some form of shared magic. I remember when we called up Roy. And he's got something like 53 different disciples almost that work with him at his academy. And they all write ads and they all, you know, do the same work. And working directly with Roy is pretty much unheard of. And we called up and got his assistant and said, you know, we we'd, we got a referral. We heard that Roy can help us with our radio, give us some advice. And we were told on the phone, well, you know, you got to pay a large sum of money thousands of dollars to come down and and meet with Roy. He'll give you some advice, but it's very unlikely he'd ever work with you. And it was just kind of this like, wow, why why would we even waste our time doing this? But we had a feeling something was there, even though there was this great pushback. And we went down and uh, Roy saw something in us and started writing these ads for us and started to help take our brand to a whole new level. You know, we spend $10 million a year right now in radio after I think six years of working with Roy. We started, uh, you know, well below a million, but that's how well it's worked for us. And Roy understood our brands and the magic in our brands and was able to somehow translate that into radio. The future couldn't be brighter. I mean, everything that that genius has done to help us with our business is, has paid off immensely. I love it. I love it. You know, your book is an absolute marvel. Honestly, I read a lot of books here. I mean, it's what I do. I'm in the thought leadership business, and I'm a right. big believer in the maxim that leaders are readers. So last mm-hmm. year, I had the privilege of reading 85 books, right? And yours is in my top three, you know? Oh, wow. Wow. And thank you. You're very welcome. An honor. Uh, yeah. But honestly, thank you for sharing it with me because I wasn't able to put this down because it was a powerful story. And, you know, human beings are very attracted to story, right? And in business, those who harness the power of story are really able to generate great results for themselves and for their clients. But Mm -hmm. on top of that, there's just powerful, genuine wisdom here. And I know that my listener is going to really benefit from buying this book. And I I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and buy uh, 25 copies, and I'm going to give a copy of your book to each and every single one of our high-level mastermind clients. That's, that's awesome. That's, Thank you. Oh, wow. my pleasure. And, yeah. and, and uh, perhaps if you would be open to this, I'd love to have you do like maybe a Skype or a Zoom call with them at one of our live events where maybe they can hear your story and then get a get a, a copy of your book that way because that'd be great. We've had some some uh, great folks do this for us, people like Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, so if you'd be open to that, I'd I love would, to do that. Yeah, I would be honored. Absolutely. Absolutely awesome. Honored. Awesome. I will have Teresa who set up um, this appointment with your assistant to make that happen. But I'll tell you, this is an incredible book. And I want my listener to, to know that you need to not only go buy a copy of this book for yourself, you need to buy 10 more copies and give them to all the people that you love in your personal life and all of your best clients because they're going to thank you for it. This book has had a profound effect on me. I I am uh, taking many of the principles that you talk about, Brian, and applying them in my business. 
And listener, you want to do the same for yourself. So get out there mm. and buy a bunch of copies of this book and make sure you get them out there. This is a book that deserves to be a number one bestseller in the world. Wow. So well, that's amazing, Nikki. I mean, it's uh, giving me chills right now just thinking through uh, those comments. I mean, that's uh, I, I wrote the book to inspire. And if I could just inspire one person, uh, you know, I think the book was a success. And, and clearly there's going to be many more people inspired, even if they pull one little nugget away from the book. You know, it, it's a, a real feel good for me. So so thank you. You're very welcome, my friend, and thank you for sharing it with me. You've definitely inspired me, so you succeeded in your goal. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so, um, so, listener, make sure you do that. And, Brian, you need to make a note to get in touch with Robin. you got to be at the next uh, Titan Summit, Toronto in yeah, I'll, December I'll, I'll, 2019. I'll reach out to him for sure. And I'll make sure I send the note with my uh, comments on that to his assistant, Angela, as well. Thank because, you. Uh, thank you. I think you'd add a lot of value to the folks. And hey, I'll get to see you in person. Um, there, so, you, there you go. And, and, you know, congrats on what you're doing for the world. You, you know, I've enjoyed this podcast. I enjoy your questions and, and the fact that you've read the book and pulled some nuggets out and shared them. It was nice for me even being able to reflect back on, on some of the moments and things in the book that I thoroughly enjoyed. Why, thank you. Thank you so much. It's very kind of you. All right. So, listener, you might be thinking to yourself, wow, I've been inspired by Brian. He definitely is the real deal. But do I have what it takes to be someone like Brian Scudamore? And here's the answer. Yes, of course you do. But if the chattering monkeys in your head are taking you out of the game and you're, you're like thinking, oh, I'd love to, but I'm scared. I don't know if I have what it takes. I want to offer you something. I want to offer you an opportunity to have someone else encourage you like Brian talked about in his book and have someone else help you see the greatness that's within you. And the way that, I, that I'm going to do this is I'm going to offer you an opportunity to be on a phone call with myself or a member of my team. All you got to do to do that is go to our website, ecircleacademy.com, go to the top right-hand corner, click on the button that says book your success call, and we'll spend an hour with you. And over the course of this hour, we'll help you get in touch with the majesty of your dreams and make them come alive. We'll help you get in touch with your why, and we'll help you build a blueprint on how to create this business for yourself. And this is our gift to you. This is something that we do free of charge because, hey, it's good for us to do this because if you're someone who is a good fit potentially for what we do, we're going to figure that out over the call. But even if you're not, this is our way of making a difference, putting our dent in the universe, in the world. So make sure you do that. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. It's been incredible to have you here. Thank you, Nikki. I hope to meet you in person one day. And uh, again, honored that you included me in your show. Thank you again. Oh, it, it, it's my pleasure. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest and his incredible book, Brian Scudamore and WTF, Willing to Fail, make sure you go to the show notes and get all the information about how to order this. Until next time, goodbye.